Building Years Podcast with Justin Alexio and Jeremiah Watkins. New episodes every Wednesday. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, welcome to the Building Years. This is Jeremiah Watkins. Justin Alexio could not be here, so I'm holding down the fort today. And it's Friday, so you guys know what that means. We got a guest in the house. Uh, got a good buddy on the podcast today, fellow comedian, actor. Please welcome my friend, KT Tatara, to the program, everybody. Yes, yes. Hello. This is KT Tatara, all up in your ear holes, ready to answer questions about the building years yes is that what i'm supposed to do I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah i mean we can we can riff talk about whatever but cool. uh yeah we'll, we'll we'll get into some building years yeah, and let me ask you something is there a certain frame like building years means to you like is that like a certain time period or a certain kind of landmark uh you know? i think well for the people who we interview on the podcast, I feel like everybody has their own trajectory as far mm. as what they consider their own building years. What about you? For Jeremiah? me, I definitely feel like I'm in my building years. Right what now. what would what would you consider being out of your building years for you? For me, um, now I'm interviewing you. This is my podcast, everybody. I just <laughs> well, hijacked welcome, the podcast. Welcome to the KT Tatara <laughs> program. Uh, I man, that's a good question. Actually, I think that whenever I am not struggling like so hard <laughs> that 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 I'll be like okay I, I, as a comedian I think that most of what's cool about comedy is you can always learn and yeah and uh be in your building years like as far as like uh okay well uh, I need to be working on my my next special whatever right. so I uh, I can still consider that building years but for me I think it's <laughs> I think that I will be technically out of my building years whenever it's not so much like I'm sweating like the month to month do you know what I mean okay. where it's just like a little bit more <laughs> like comfort right. level where I'll be like Oh, I remember those years. Right, Buy yourself right. some breathing room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I think that's for me personally. But there's some people who it's we more just like a show. living comfortability off of doing comedy. Yeah, and knowing that you know you'll be okay because you have future stuff lined up. Exactly. And like it's it's just kind of going. There's a level of I don't say autopilot, but there's a level of like um, automatic like things that are just always going to be coming your way, so it's comfortable enough. Yeah, you don't have to be like worried, like oh no, I'm going to be kicked out of my apartment tomorrow. You know, right. Or yeah. So I think if if I if I got to the level of being a comedian with where I had basically like tour dates ahead of time for right. like a year, I'd be like, wow, this is the most stability no I've building. ever seen. I know, right? It's built. It's built. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, The ship has sailed. Yes. It's J-W all just... built this career. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's but interesting. Okay. I don't know. What do you What do you think? What, yeah, well, what... I, that's what I wanted to ask you because I, I was just really thinking. I was like, you know, at first glance, I kind of thought like, oh, okay, this is like in my head for whatever reason, I thought like before you get it, your first TV credit. Because I feel like that's yeah. like such a landmark thing that's like you're just building your material, your act. You're trying to get a hot five minutes. For most stand-up comedians that want a tour and stuff, you're doing two things. You're trying to get your showcase five to seven minutes set. Let's just say six, you know, on average. Sometimes it's four. Sometimes they want yeah. seven or eight. But so let's say a hot six minutes and then at the same time extend the amount of material you have to 
be able to feature and do 20, 30 minutes, be able to headline, do one-nighters, do 45, do colleges, do an hour. So you're kind of doing simultaneously building this amount, just volume of material and be able to stay on stage and entertain people for an hour. Right. Which, you know, when you start off and you just got three minutes, five minutes, an hour is just like, there's no way I'll get I know, there. You know? It seems like and, such a f- like impossible feat. It's yeah. Like an hour? What are you talking yeah, about? I mean, 10 minutes would seem like, and you get to five minutes, you're like, am I done? Can I get off the stage? Like, yeah. it already feels long at five. But as you build it, and, and so you're doing this two thing of, you know, this... This duality or this uh, dichotomy, is that the right word? I'm dumb. Like, uh, (laughs) people think I'm smart because I'm Asian, but like, I don't know (laughs) stuff. (laughs) But like, um, you know what I mean? You have this, you're trying to get that hot six minute showcase set so you can get on TV, you can get TV credits, you can get an agent, you can get a manager, all this industry stuff, but you're trying to build as a comedian at the same time. And to me, once you get that first TV credit, you become a little bit more legitimized in terms of the community, the industry, other comedians kind of know who you are, probably for bad reasons more than good. It's like, oh, I'm funnier than that guy. I could get that, whatever. But they know, like, now you're at a different level. And not to say that building stops after that, but I feel like a lot of your career in that first half is building just to that one landmark. Because once you have that hot six minutes and you get a TV spot, whatever it is, late night show, comedy central thing, like whatever type of thing, an appearance as a comedian doing stand-up, doing your jokes. Now, when you go on the road, if you had done what I was saying, like building your material, right. now you can take advantage You're of it. You're ready for that opportunity. You can, yeah, you can go feature, you can go headline at better clubs or bigger clubs and, and, and now really build. So to me, that was the initial thought. It's like the building years leading up to that. But then I kind of thought, you know what? It's really just a a ladder with almost like an infinite number of rungs on it. Because we interview you're always building. Yeah, we interview some people that they say that they think that they are in their building years until they are a lead on a sitcom, which that, you know, how how few of people actually get to do that. Right, right. Yeah, that's tough. And and so it's like, well, okay, so... And not everyone wants to do that. No, totally. Yeah. Totally. But yeah, I, I found that pretty interesting. A couple of the people that we've... Because like, we asked a guy recently, were like huge list of credits, yeah, huge, like guest stars, co-stars, yeah. recurring, all this stuff. And we asked him, "When will you feel like you've made it out here?" Right. Because y- to us, you're living the dream, like right, me and right. my co-hosts who <laughs> right. are like yeah. lower on the spectrum. Yeah, you're doing it, yeah. yeah. And he's like, "Whenever I am a lead on a sitcom, that's whenever I feel like I'll make it." And I'm like, "Wow, that's right." It's all perspective, yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends on what your personal goals are, um, and, and so I feel like you're you're building. Through different levels, it's kind of like the um, the 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 hill gets steeper as you as you go on, and yeah. so to me, the building years is that kind of flat part in the beginning, leading up to that first mark where you make it up a little bit of the thing, and that first jump is always like getting a TV credit, like a legit, like I just did, you know, live at Gotham or what. Well, I guess now it's like Adam. Um, Divine's house party, party. you know, or like some showcase thing where you're just doing five minutes with a bunch of other comics or whatever it may be. It's like that's like legitimizes you. That gets you to another level. But then you have building years from that point to like the half hour or the hour or or getting on a sitcom, getting a guest star, getting acting gigs and then being able to headline a rooms and what have you. And so there's like building years like for each level um, I think if you want to make it the landmark, it depends on what your goals are, but if you're making the landmarks like, you know, in my head, I guess, TV credits, only because they help facilitate 
that building growth that happens in between them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you if, once you become an actor, like it's rare that you're going to go right to being a lead on a thing without having done some acting in the past. It totally. happens occasionally, but like a lot of times people are doing the guest stars and other things and then yeah, they're, they're recurring and yeah, and you work your way up and then if you're a lead on the thing, maybe that guy goes, "Hey, now I want to be a movie star. You know, I want to mm-hmm. lead in a movie or be in a series, uh, you know, a three uh, picture deal, you know, or something." And so there's always another thing you can do, um, you know. So as you what go was up. what was that first moment for you? Then would you say if uh, if the building years, if we're talking about as far as like. I'm still waiting for it. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I'm still building, Jeremiah. <laughs> Being on this podcast actually is the, the, the landmark for me right now. There's a pink winks, a pink windscreen in front of my mouth for everyone <laughs> listening, and uh, I didn't even know they came in pink. Not to dis paint. We had it's to very nice. order these. KT. I, I appreciate because it, it looks yeah. kind of like the uh, like a Hello Kitty pink or something. <laughs> it's like a fuchsia, purpley pink. I like it. Um, no. Uh, like, did you feel whenever you booked like your first co-star or whatever, did you did you feel like that made like a big difference as far as like in the scene, as far as people, the way they looked at you, like whenever it came out on TV and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. When I had my first one line on the short lived <laughs> uh, show Dirt on FX, uh, people did look at me differently. People said, aren't you that pervert guy that said that creepy thing at the coffee shop? And I'm like, that was me. And I'm like, Get the hell out of my store. Do you uh, remember your line? <laughs> I said, I like your work, was the line that I said <laughs> yeah. uh, in the first acting thing. It was uh, the premise, the episode was, um, this, did you know the show Dirt? Did you ever see this with no. Courtney Cox or whatever? No one saw it. Um, I didn't even see it, but uh, <laughs> I was in it. I didn't see it. <laughs> Well, just in one, I just had a little role. I was actually auditioning to be a bigger role on the show, and the producers were like, for a recurring role, I think the character got killed off anyway, but I would have been in like three or four episodes as like a recurring thing. And I auditioned a bunch of times, and uh, the room was real split. Like three of the producers were laughing, and we were like, literally like while I'm auditioning, they were looking at the other producers going, I like this guy. What's the, pro- what's the problem? He's the guy. And the other producers were like, hmm, can you do it differently? Can you do the thing? So I was already like, well, this is a coin flip here because right. these it's guys clearly like me. The these guys clearly hate me. Who knows? I ended up I ended up not getting that role. Um, but because you know they knew me and the casting director liked me or whatever, they just threw me a bone on this other thing. Right. It was just like a one line thing. I was like a coffee shop barista guy. And so the premise of the episode, it's like this. It was like ripped from the headlines of. Uh, you know, what's it called? Like celebrity gossip stuff. And yeah. so it was supposed to be like a TV show about someone who works at a, at, you know, like an inquire, national inquire or what celeb gossip kind of, what, what's it called? Like, there's like a name for that. Uh, like the TMZ, the, the, like, uh, the, um, yeah, like that kind of stuff. You like know? that world of, yeah. Yeah. And of so, entertainment. yeah. And, um, this apparently a sex tape came out, and so they were they were following this tabloids. Right? Tabloids. There, there we go. go. Yeah, yeah. Um, this just shows how connected we are to that <laughs> yeah, world. Exactly. What's, like, that, what's, that uh, word? what's that word? <laughs> There's a word for that, I yeah. believe. <laughs> Garbage. No, that's yeah, that's impolite. Uh, <laughs> it's they, a synonym. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. For, oh, tabloids. Oh, yes, tabloids. That's yeah, that's right. <laughs> what is a synonym for taking a dump? Tabloid. Yeah, tabloid. That, yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah. I yes. took a tabloid. Right yeah, there. <laughs> <laughs> I took a big tabloid. Man, it was just crazy. Um, so. <laughs> the there was like an actor and actress in this fictitious world that had a sex tape that was leaked online. Sure. And so the premise of the episode was that you know everyone saw the thing, 
but the actor and actress didn't know. And so the scene is like the actress is in the coffee bean type place okay. and I'm the thing and she, I'm like handing her the coffee <laughs> and, uh, you know, she, I don't let go of her at first. She's trying to grab it and I kind of like creepily look at her and then I added a little finger rub, uh, which I think one of my friends suggested or something like that. So I kind of grabbed it and kind of like rubbed her finger with my index finger and I was like, I like your work. And she was like, what? And she like kind of grabbed the thing. And then when she goes outside, there's all the paparazzi right, outside right, right, that swarms right. her and goes, what happened to the sex tape? Blah, 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 blah. And then she finds out, oh, my God, everyone saw the sex tape. But I'm like the first person that like she encounters. And I'm like, the hey, clues are like in on work. It's so you know, creepy. Dude, yeah, the and finger I was just rub like, is so creepy. Yeah, it was ultra creepy and gross. Um, I guess that's what they said. Uh, I guess that's what really bought it. They were like, this guy's creepy. Have, you, guy. have you auditioned for more creepy stuff like I've, in that vein? I have not auditioned for a single thing since then. That was eight years ago. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow, you got a real scared on that. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, maybe. Maybe a couple things. But that was the first acting thing. But I, that was, geez, that was like 2007, I think. But um, the year before that, I did Live at Gotham, the Comedy Central show, 2006. Oh, dude. I mean. And so that, and in the same year, I did New Faces that year. So, wow. So that was a, like a good summer, I guess. And actually, the Live at Gotham, I don't know, it was, it was probably actually bad this happened, but the Live at Gotham, I taped, I was the fourth episode that they taped, mm-hmm. but they moved it to the first episode, the premiere episode. Um, which normally sounds good. It's like, hey, your show was good enough. They're making it the premiere of the... It was the premiere of the whole show. They didn't. Yeah. They used to do premium blend before that, and then they changed it to Live at Gotham that summer. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem was, though, it premiered while I was at New Faces. So while it was airing in the U.S., I was in Canada doing New Faces, which is cool, but then it's kind of like, you kind of want that to air when everyone's home in the U.S. to like watch it and then be like, hey, did you see the comics that were on? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was also, in- too, for you to kind of like be the guy that you're kind of walking around the clubs and kind of like people are like, yeah, dude, they I just saw, saw your thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, I guess happened like when I came back the next week or whatever, but it's like... Uh, I mean, who knows? But maybe it would have been better if it premiered the week before and then I did. I mean, who knows? But basically, that was like literally simultaneous. I was in Canada doing that. And I think, you know, that was like a Tuesday through Saturday thing for New Faces. And um, I think it was a Friday night or whatever it was that Mm -hmm. that it premiered live at Gotham while I was in Canada. So um, so that was a cool week. Obviously, I, I didn't even get to see it until I had to have like I had to like wait to watch it or have someone like record it or whatever. Yeah, cause yeah. I, I, you know, I couldn't watch it. They didn't air it up there. Um, so that that was kind of different than coming back from that since I did two things at the same time. Then it was like going into meetings or auditions and, uh, you know, or comedy clubs and trying to get guest spots or trying to get spots or sure. get someone to watch my tape just to be like, hey. So that was like probably the most marked difference. That's why in my head it's like building your everything was building up to that because I had did this done the same six minutes for like ever that ended up being that same. I mean, I had more material, but in terms right. of like in LA, the your showcases, showcase tight. Yeah, yeah. So I just refined that and was doing that for like a good probably a couple of years um, to try to you know refine it and get in places. And that was the same set that got me both of those things that same year. So that was like a big jump up. And how um, far into comedy were you whenever, uh, 2006, uh, when Gotham and JFL w- uh, happened well, for you? Well, I first started, uh, first time on stage was in 2000, August of 2000, so I guess almost 15 years total, but um, I, I really didn't get going, I guess, until 2002, because mm-hmm. the first couple years, the first two years or whatever it was, 
Um, I wasn't doing it. I was writing a lot, but I didn't get on stage a lot. So yeah. I don't know if I really count that as much now that I think now that. You know, since then, it's been a lot more shows. Right, so you've been, like, like, really in it. It's like, yeah, you it's can like, see the fine line, like, ah, oh, so that was Yeah, it's like, a... you can call yourself a comedian, but it's like, yeah, if you're doing it, like, every couple months or three months, four months, and you just have three, four minutes, you don't know what you're doing. You know, I don't know. I, I don't really start it, you know, you don't start until you're really getting at it every night or trying to, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you're trying to fill up every night with a set. Um, and if you can't, then you're going to a place to watch a show to try to get in with that show or meet some people or whatever. Like you're committing that level. So that didn't really happen until like summer of 2002. So I guess like, let's see, that would be four years, I guess. Um, from yeah, July of 2002 to July of 2006, Mm -hmm. pretty much almost exactly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, pretty much, yeah, it was those four years. Uh, and it's been downhill ever since. So uh, <laughs> that's why I'm on your show. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm like dissing your show. That's now. how it's we like got them, guys. Yeah. <laughs> all the way down to the building All the years. way down. KT no, 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 started no, at the top. No. <laughs> <laughs> I started at the top, and now I'm here. Now he's on the building years. <laughs> I started at the bottom, and uh, here I am. <laughs> how? Uh, so how do you think... So you've been doing, I mean, you've been in, uh, and you've been doing comedy within LA the last like, 13, yeah, I've 15 lived here years, since right? '03. So, so um, how, how do you think the the LA scene has kind of changed over the years? Because I feel like people are saying that we're kind of in a comedy boom right really? now. Yeah, they're they're Who saying says that. A lot of online uh, tabloids. <laughs> uh, no, I've just read a couple different articles and about um, LA or just the country in general. No, just or? like the country in general. Really? Yeah, like through like LA and New York, that people are. That's why they're opening like more clubs right now in Arizona. And uh, yeah, that's interesting because I feel like um, I'm kind of skeptical about that. I still feel I, I'm I'm hoping that's true. Yeah. I kind of feel like we really won't know the answer until like about five years from now. Cause to, to be able to compare to really of, to be able yeah. to know. So like if, if the trajectory continues to be good and like all these clubs are open up, continue to like to prosper and do well and are packed and you know, more places open up, then you can be like, all right, it's really doing well. Cause over the years there's always places open up, places close. Mm-hmm. Um I mean you you just by when you said these places opened up, like I, I, at the top of my head, a couple places closed, you know, in the last five years also. True. So it's kind of like maybe depends on what market or whatever. Um, I do think it kind of goes in waves. I feel like when I moved here in 03, the comedy store was in shambles. Um, it was like, as far as I can tell, almost unrecognizable to what it was probably in the late 80s, early 90s yeah. or whatever. I mean, somewhere along the line, mid to late 90s just got destroyed and um and when did you become a regular at uh, the comedy store 2007 2007 yeah so it was still like even though it was like not at its at its best necessarily around that time it's still like everybody still wants to get in yeah there. it yeah. changed around 06 07 it started changing around then um I mean, 03, so they had just a lot of the guys that were working there um, were just kind of bad news. A lot of the comics they had going on stage were just old and out of touch and just not that funny. There was no crowd. Like, it just everything sucked. And then, like, the guys working there were, like, heckling the other comics and stuff. And it just, like, it wasn't cool. It was just, like, 
it just, I don't know. It, it was just horrible. And I was just like, whoa, this is the comedy. Like, I did the open mic thing, like, one time. I was like, this is terrible. And and if you talk to, like, the guys that work there then, like, I mean, I think Ari Shafir might have, he might have been done working there by then. But I know him and Tripoli and, like, some of those guys that, I think they moved to L.A. in, like, the late, nine, like, 99 or somewhere around there, 99, 2000. Like, they, and they got passed somewhere around there, like, they were the only young guys. Like, everybody else, I was like, I didn't even know who these people were. It was just like, yeah, you know. Who the, the ghosts of it? comedy past. Yeah, it was like people that, like, did comedy in the 80s and 90s yeah. that, like, never made it, and then were still doing that act in, like, oh, 2003, man. and and for no audience. Probably a lot of the headshots that you walk by in the hallway, you're like, <laughs> who are these people? It's like that. Yeah, they were there. Yeah. So it was just a mess. And, then, um, yeah, somewhere around 06, 07, things kind of, a, a, a new group of kind of people, guys from New York came in mm-hmm. and started there, and they, they kind of just washed out the whole lineup, changed a lot of stuff. And so um, by 07, 08, like, then the lineup started changing. And so as far as the comedy store goes, I would say they're having a boom because now, yeah, you know, whatever it is, 12 years later, it's like it's packed all the time. All the rooms are packed. There's all these different shows every night of the week, multiple shows a night. The, the different crowds, there's like touristy, obviously, always in the original room, but then you have these bringer shows with, uh, you know, good crowds, too. I mean, like legit comedy fans and not people just you know, that hate being there. Yeah. So I've seen that go like a complete 180. Um, There was a dip, though, obviously, with the recession. I think what maybe people feel like comedy boom now, I think if you compare it to 2008, when everything kind of dropped off, like with a recession, it does look like a boom because that was like the the low. That was like the dip. Like, uh, because... The traffic on the strip, I think, is noticeably lower. And I think it still is. Like, uh, if you'd say 05, 06, 04, 05, 06, like, the strip, Sunset Strip, like, between Laugh Factory and Comedy Store was busy. Like, there all a lot of places there that have now gone out of business were open. Just restaurants and stuff. Mm-hmm. Valet parking was $20, $30. And, you know, the, the club, it was just so busy. And then at some point... I guess because of the recession, the dollar, uh, the gas got up to four fifty or whatever. Everyone from Orange County and Inland Empire stopped coming into town. Yeah. Now, then all of a sudden, I mean, literally, Valley went down to like five bucks, ten bucks. I was like, I've never even seen it this low, and that's like right next to the Comedy Store and Laugh Factory and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it dropped down so low there that now we have a, we finally like recovered and have like a resurgent. So to answer your question in terms of what's changed is we have this resurgent, but it's come up in a new way, whereas. I guess 03 to 08, there was not as much of an alternative scene. There were shows. Um, maybe I just didn't know about them because I was younger, but there were shows, but they were kind of f- a few of them and only kind of pretty famous comics were on them. And then a whole new crew came in around 07, 08 or something like that and started doing show or anyone that started comedy, I think, yeah. around then in L.A. Now, whatever this is, eight years later, like there's like a whole different circuit from that. And also I think UCB came into town somewhere around then maybe and uh, give or take a couple years and they started doing stand-up shows there. So there's been this whole new wave circuit which has been great for LA comedy because it's built like a, a whole bunch of new places for people to get on. Yeah, the alt scene. Yeah, like it's, it's built. An actual I mean, the alt scene's scene like now. legit instead yeah. of just being one show here or one yeah. show there at some random crappy place there's like a there's like a you know a, a run you could do seven nights of alt comedy shows never even go to the clubs and you know be well known in the alt yeah. circuit or whatever i'll you know? go to some alt shows to check it out or whatever and yeah i don't know 
Yeah. yeah like hardly. So, so like I'll I'll know like a few of the guys there, but like a lot of people are like, uh, oh, you do comedy? I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I do comedy. <laughs> yeah, well, me too, bro. It's like very, I mean, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so it's like that. There's been a boom in that sense where there's a whole new community of people going to shows and doing comedy that wasn't there before in LA in particular. Um, but an interesting thing you brought up, there wasn't before, and I think it's still like this in New York. There's still a, a sense of wanting to get in the clubs, like in New York. Like people do the yeah. alt shows, oh, but yeah. you want to go do the cellar and stand up New York or totally. whatever, you know, Caroline's or uh, you know whatever it may be, the strip. You know, whereas in L.A., it's not like that. It's like you do the alt scene to do the alt scene and be cool with you. Go do meltdown or something. It's like you're not doing it to like, oh, I want to be in at the Laugh Factory or the Comedy Store. It's like those aren't prestigious things to achieve whereas when i moved to la that was still the goal it's like you're doing all these alt shows just to fill time because you want to get a showcase at the last factor the improv or whatever it's like yeah you got to do the set somewhere mm-hmm. you got to do a show but um now it's more like why go to the improv and hack factory when i can just you know do comedy seven nights a week and and, and that's the downside i think of it is because it gets a little in, insulated or incubated or whatever it's almost so closed off that it produces a very specific type of comedian i mean yeah it, it, with you're preaching to the you, choir every night so right. it's like if you, you stay just, in any environment too long you're yeah. going to be tailored to that like that's why some people are like the division between a club comic and an alt comic yeah. is so like you can tell like yeah just the way material the way they take the stage everything uh i feel i don't know yeah yeah and it's it's I don't know. It's this weird, just animosity in LA that I don't, I haven't seen in any other city with this like <laughs> division between the club comics and the all comics. It's just like a bizarre civil war thing going on out yeah. here, and that wasn't there before. Like there wasn't enough alt comedy, I think, before. Like there, there were still good shows, but it was more like. Uh, it, it was more like it was legitimately an alternative to the comedy clubs. It was like, there's the comedy club show. Oh, here's this coffee house show with Maria Banford and Sarah Silverman yeah. and Zach Alphanakis and, you know, whoever. And it was just like at some weird place. And they were doing more long form storytelling kind of stuff. And it was just like, all right, that's what this vibe of this show is. Yeah. Um, but all of them also did the clubs, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so it wasn't like that. And it was, I don't, I don't know. So I don't know if that's good or bad or what, but (laughs) like, you know, you do see more people bouncing between the alt scene and the club scene in New York than you do out here. Like here, if it's like, you almost don't want to tell people, if you're at an alt show, you don't want to tell people you're going (laughs) to a club, you know, or for me, I mean, like since all of them started a lot, some of them that started these rooms, I was already in the clubs. It's like, if I show up, they're like, oh, this club hack or whatever, you know, and it's like, sorry, like, I don't, Yeah. what, what am I supposed to do? I just want to do comedy. Don't, yeah, don't, like, I just want to do that. Like, I'm not making fun of your act. Like, do whatever you want to do. Like, that's always been my attitude. It's just like, do whatever you want to do. I don't care. Like, I don't like this judgment of, like... Yeah, where you do the Yeah, comedy. like, oh, this is good and that's bad. It's just like, yeah, it's... it's it, you know what it is? It's like an attitude from the alt-music scene, the alt-rock music scene, infiltrated alt comedy you know how people that are like oh i just love good you know i just love pavement and stephen malkmus is just genius <laughs> and spoon is just so inspirational and you know i don't like B- bjorkus musman when she was with the sugar cubes it was just you know and it's just like this self-congratulatory attitude thing and it's just like i don't even care like fine do whatever kind of comedy you want like 
Spoon was the first uh, concert that I ever saw. Look at that. There, there you go. go. All right. There you go. Well, you know good music. I know good music. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just that <laughs> attitude of good music when it's like, hey, it's just the music you like. Yeah. You know, I worked at my college radio station and there was a lot of that attitude of like, no, I like good music. I don't like any of this. I like good music. I'm like, good music, isn't that just the music that you find that good, that the, you like? It's that not. You happen to like. Yeah. And so that attitude kind of got into the alt comedy scene in LA. Where it's like, no, this is good comedy, and that's just that's terrible. And it's just like, no, people do impressions, people do, you know, act out. I mean, you know, Josh Fadum does like a yeah. whole thing, falling down or whatever. It's like it's totally people do whatever they want to do, and it's like it's not better or worse. You do you, you know. And yeah. I'm totally open to that. I just don't like when it gets all judgy, like, oh, you're oh, doing, totally. you're doing that, and like. And that that so that's like a weird thing. I don't know if that helps or hurts the the quote unquote boom out here, but I think we'll see in the five years like if it builds more or maybe we get to some new consensus of like, oh now we can all get along. Yeah, kind of or maybe people the alt scene starts getting into the clubs or the club guys start doing the alt scene or I yeah. don't know. I mean, you know. So you shot a special in Canada, is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah. I was uh, yeah. I did uh, an appearance on a on a show up there. Yeah. It was, I mean, it had like four comics or six comics or something. That's like still that. cool, though. Yeah, it's yeah. like a cool, like kind of like a, a, a comics of tomorrow kind of thing. Yeah, uh, no, that was um, that was like an ethnic. <laughs> it was like the ethnic special or something like that, or like uh, I think they called it the color of funny. They might have changed the the name of it, but um, that was for the CBC network in Canada. That was really cool. That was um, that was part of Just for Laughs. Oh, cool. So like after I did New Phases in '06, I went back a couple a couple times and. Um, one of the years I did it in Toronto, and they had this giant theater. I think it was the Winter Garden Theater. It was like, I don't know, 1,500, 1,700 people there. Probably the, one of the biggest shows, if not the biggest show I've ever done. That's awesome. Um, you know, they're filming, and it was like, you know, taped. And uh, Do you get nervous yeah. uh, before those kind of sets whenever it's taped, or are you so prepared by that point that you're like, I got this, this is going to go fine? Uh, you get a little sweaty palms, a little nervous, or, I mean, I do. Um but more out of like anxious, just waiting to get on because the yeah. thing is with TV stuff is you have to get there. So like the thing tapes at eight o'clock at night and they're like, okay, call time is at noon. And it's like, what? And so you got to get there at noon. They check your wardrobe on the stage. You sit around. It's like, there's so much waiting and waiting and waiting right. and do the makeup at like five o'clock and then you're waiting and waiting. It's just like, just, just get me on stage. Yeah. You know, you're get so it. used to with comedy shows just showing up and getting right on or waiting 10 minutes, watching a little show, you know, have a drink or something. It's like you're waiting all day in this like little green room with like 20 other people. And uh, it's just that gets you a little anxious and nervous. And uh, so I guess it's nervousness, but more based on the uh, you just want to hurry up and do it, you know, because yeah. it's one of those things where once you get that first laugh, like you're you're in the zone. It's all good. Um, but I'm definitely someone who like prepares the set and runs the set a lot so that it's not like I don't know what I'm going to do when I get up there. So it's never nervous about yeah. what jokes or how the joke's going to go or what the order of the jokes is. Like, I know the set. By you, the time you I always go to, know, like, uh, whenever you go up, you're like, I this is my set list. Like, I'm going to go here, 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 here. Yeah, for TV, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for, like, yeah for TV. Yeah, you know, in general, like, do you do, is it a little bit more loose, I'm guessing? Where it's in just general, like, it's more like a skeleton set list. Right. It's like, I, I kind of want to make sure I do X, Y, Z. I want to open with... One, two, or three, and something else that rhymes with those letters and numbers, you know, <laughs> like, um, 
see, see, I can do all comedy. See, that right? was meta. That was meta. Come on, <laughs> let me. Come on, guys. I can wear. Guys, a, I can. <laughs> guys, come on. A little phrase. Yeah, come on, man. I can wear a cardigan. Um, so <laughs> I can wear itchy clothes. Come on, guys. But um, what the hell was I gonna say? Oh, so it's like y'all have a skeleton set where I I know I want to do with certain things, but it's like it's flexible enough to where. If I abandon ship and immediately go into some other joke or situation yeah, or I'm right. feeling something else, I'll mm-hmm. go right into it. But for TV, it's like I'll be pretty tight on it. For that uh, special, did you have to like give them a typed-up copy of your set? Yeah. Was it that strict? Yeah, pretty much all the time. Every time you do TV, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's another good reason why uh, to if do you, that. If you riff a couple lines or whatever, do they, I mean, they don't get mad necessarily, do they? Uh, or, it depends or on what you like, riff. Keep it to the, right. Yeah. Um, if you riff in a side comment, like, oh, that guy liked that, or oh, just one person, you know, yeah. something, no one cares about that. Uh, but if you go and, uh, oh, it kind of smells like tied in here that's a, who's using that crappy detergent you know are you something that a might brand, be an, a brand yeah. uh, advertised there's that's what the main thing they're worried about they're worried about getting sued that's the only thing like sure the fcc and cussing or whatever it's not really as much as that as it is your references and yeah that kind if of, you call mm-hmm. somebody i was like slander or whatever it's like they don't want that no so <laughs> if you if you riff like a little side comment it's not a bit big a deal if you go into like a whole new bit and then they have to. The only time it gets worried about language or subject matter is if you just abandon this bit and start doing this whole other thing about a sensitive topic. Then they're like, "Oh, we might have to cut this." And then you're cutting their program short. So then they ha- then they're like, "Oh, if we have to cut this, what are we going to do to fill it?" So yeah. that's why they kind of want you to stick to it, so that if you know if they have to edit out a line or cut to a thing, it's not that big of a deal. For that, that's a taped thing, so it's not like. Uh, you know, the late night shows is where they stress that the most because they tape it, but it's like they got to be ready to go in three hours. Like they tape it at five and it's airing or, you know, whatever, six hours or something like that, you know? Whereas the Just for Laughs thing, it's like they're taping that, they're airing that like months from now. You yeah, know? they have plenty and of time. Comedy to... Central, they have plenty of time to edit, bleep, whatever it is. Um, they prefer you not, though, so they don't have to. Yeah, it's more work know, for sift. them. Yeah, and they just don't have to sift through and then ask legal questions. It also just costs them money and time. Uh, as well, so that's why they have you type it all out so that they can just follow along. They know where you're at. If for some reason you're going long or short, like it's covered, you know. So they don't have any problems during the taping. Hmm. Was that a long enough answer? Hey, that was great. <laughs> We're not too good on brevity today. <laughs> so when you so you've seen a lot of like uh, growth and change in the LA scene. Whenever you first got out here, was there anybody? that you saw immediately that you're just like, this guy is going to be, this guy or girl is going to be just yeah, why a monster. Yeah, you so sexist, bro? Right? This hey, I caught Come myself. On. I caught myself, KT. Come on, man. I'm, I'm going to report you to the old comedy community, man. You can't <laughs> be saying that. Um, it, Someone that I saw that just like right away. Yeah, did you did you have any people like well, you in, know, in your funny, first couple actually, years? Well, okay, well, here, so check this out. This Actually, I moved at a really interesting time, so... Uh, I moved in September 2003. I came out in August of 2003 to look at apartments. When I came out here, Dane was ultra L.A. famous. Dane Cook was mm-hmm. ultra L.A. famous. 
but he wasn't really like I came from D.C. I was on the East Coast. He wasn't really that big out there. He had done colleges. He had headline improvs like wherever. He had the half hour special that was out for a couple years. But as far as we were concerned, comedy in D.C., New York, you know, any of the East Northeast cities, we we're like, yeah, he's just some young dude. You know, he's thirty years old or whatever it was. And it was like. Yeah, he's some guy out there that's doing comedy. He's, he headlines around. He's he's doing his thing. He has a special. He has a half hour. He headlines improvs. Yeah. We knew like 10 people like that. You know, at the time it was like Mitch Hedberg was more famous and funny than him. Dave Attell. Like, we would have put like 10 guys ahead of Dane at that time. Sure. You know, when I came out to look at apartments and I saw Dane out here and the place was on fire, he went on stage. This is the craziest thing I ever saw. He went on stage. And apparently he used to do this a lot back then. Uh, at the Laugh Factory, went on, goes in front of this couple. There's like a couple on a first date in the front row, and then he's like, "Oh, what is this? Is this uh, this is a first date? This is the worst Dane Cook impression, but just to get the point across, <laughs> <laughs> you know." He goes, "What is this? Uh, a first date here? Is this a first date?" And he's like, "You know what I should do? I should uh, lean in and kiss her right now." The whole crowd goes, "Oh!" and starts cheering and screaming, "Like, do it!" Girls are like cheering for yeah. him. To kiss another girl. And I was like, what? I'm in the back going, like, what is going on? Is this real? Like, is this a hidden camera show? Is this, is he just riffing this? Like, I have no idea. And then he leans in and kisses this girl in the front row in front of this guy who just sits there. And then he goes right in this guy's face. And he's like, oh, you got to get some of that, bro. And the play, <laughs> I thought the fire alarm was going to go off, man. Everyone was like, girls in the back are just like, I thought they were going to throw panties and stuff. I mean, this is like the first five seconds of his set. Yeah crazy i mean it's just like and i immediately call my friends i go yo dane is about to be super famous and they're like what they're like oh, i thought he just had that weird half hour special where he's acting like a lizard and throwing water all over himself. Yeah. i'm like no dude you don't understand he <laughs> is on fire out here he's about to be super famous like watch and th remember this is august 2003 so i was just blown away so i saw him there i went actually down to the irvine improv because i was like i couldn't believe it. i was like is he this popular and famous i, I had no idea and same thing, I went down to Irvine. He didn't do that that thing about the front row, but he just crushed it, had super fans. And I was like, wow. And then uh, I heard about this Dublin show, this, you know, this notorious show on Tuesday nights, used to be on the Sunset Strip. Um, saw him there, and there was kind of some celebrities there, you know, some young actors and stuff. And I was like, whoa, this is like, this guy's L.A. famous. I yeah, mean, apparently yeah. he had been like that for a while. So that was the first experience. Now, here's the thing. My, everyone thinks it was MySpace. MySpace came out in September of 2003, like the end of September of 2003. So this is literally a month before. No MySpace. Not that, I mean, maybe Friendster, if you want to count that. But so Dane already had those fans. So everyone thinks, oh, he just sat on MySpace and added a bunch of people. It's like, no, like when MySpace came out, all those people just added him on MySpace because yeah. they already knew him. So he already had those fans. So that was like literally the first. And then, of course, we all know what happened. Within a couple of years, he's, you know, Saturday Night Live and all these movies. And he's like, you know, doing theater or, you know, stadiums and all this stuff. So he, I literally, and I was hosting at the Hollywood Improv a couple of years later and bring him on stage. And so I literally watched him go from being like LA famous to like world famous, you know, wow. like within a couple years. So he was hot. So that was the, probably the most noticeable, memorable thing. As far as someone else that was like bubbling under then, um, that's kind of gotten bigger. I mean, I remember going into New York around the same time and seeing Bill Burr. Uh, and uh, that's pretty cool to see just what has been going on with him even like the last five years or so he's always been like i think one of the best to me i think he's the best um like because back then 
And I remember some other comics telling me comics that like hate every comic, <laughs> yeah. and they would be like, "No, but Bill Burr is legit." Like, <laughs> right, he, right, yeah, right. and I'd be like, "Wow, if it's coming from that guy, he hates everybody." <laughs> and you know, you would just see him handle any room, like, and and he would go, he'd abandon ship and just go off. Like someone start yelling, heckling. He's like, "Really?" And then just go, brr, brr, and then just bury him and like riff like genius. Like, did you have that ready to go, bro? Yeah, like, you yeah. had that, like, in the chamber there. You just, like, went off on a whole thing. And and so, like, that was pretty amazing. So I remember, like, you know, 04, around then, being like, yo, this guy. And, uh, you know, he did, like, a half hour, I think, in 05. And then the uh, the Opie and Anthony thing. Did you see that Opie and Anthony thing Bill Burr had in, like, 07 or whatever it was? Uh Basically, he was in Philadelphia for this big comedy oh, tour, yeah, 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 and he yeah, got yeah. heckled, and he just abandoned ship and best. just started ragging on Philadelphia. And was How just like, dare you guys boo Dom Irera? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And he was like, you guys have a statue of Rocky. He's not even a real person, you know, whatever. <laughs> and thing. and went off the whole thing. Now, everyone was blown. That was like the national stage for Bill doing that, and everyone's like blown away. And I'm like, he's been doing that. Like, I've seen him do that right. on a small, like, just at the comic strip at, like, midnight in New York, you know, for, like, no nobody, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's, like, so it's, like, one of those things where when you see the guys break, but you know they've been building, doing the building years, bringing yeah. it back, call yeah. back, you know? Like, but they, it's almost like they put in all that work. It's, like, the old cliche. It's, like, it takes 15 years to be an overnight success. Yep. It's, like, you literally see that go on where it's, like, wow, that guy... Was doing this guy that. came out of nowhere. It's like, no, this guy's been hustling. Yeah, he's literally been perfecting and doing that craft, executing it for years. And then just that one moment comes out where everyone gets a taste of it. It's like, whoa, this is crazy. And it's just like, no, he was ready when that moment happened because he'd been doing it the whole time. And he would still be doing it had that not happened, you know? So that was another person that's like now become, you know, pretty famous that, um, you know, saw, saw kind of like a, a you know, a market uptick. I don't know what yeah. language to use. Um, is there somebody else? Let me think. I don't know. Is there someone that you wondered about? I guess. Uh, like, I don't know. I mean that. I mean that Dane Cook story did that, it for me. I mean that I mean, was that, probably that, the that's biggest. Pro- thing. I mean that's probably the biggest. He was so big that the the the, the fact that you were there around that time and seeing that kind of transition is oh yeah is pretty I crazy. mean obviously there's guys older than me that were here in like '95 and whatever right, right. that saw but that, all was that their time. too yeah, yeah yeah but for me to catch that tail end of him being just LA famous mm-hmm. and then super famous yep. and just like you know he would go on stage and people would be like and then when he got to like 2005 and i remember at the improv comedy juice started at um at the uh improv in 2005 it mm-hmm. moved from the laugh factory to the improv in 2005 and i remember introducing him being like this guy is gonna be an employee of the month with jessica simpson he's got the number one comedy album you know on itunes he's gonna be blah, 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 you know whatever get it for dane cook and it's probably still to this day the loudest thing i've ever heard on stage it's just like this roar of like and i'm just like you know, it's like that movie thing where your cheeks are like blown back and you're like, you now, know. for that intro, was that a your choice thing that you knew his credits or or was he, would he come up to you and be like, list this stuff? He, yeah, he told me. I mean, I would ask him. I'd be yeah, like, hey, yeah, what yeah. do you want me to say? And and, and he, so he'd always have, you know, some specific thing. Not not that he uh, was a jerk about it or something. I mean, no, not I mean, to me at least. Part, the host always asks. Yeah, yeah, what, but just normal say. standard I, thing. Like, yeah. hey, what do you want me to say to bring you up? I mean, it's not like I, I didn't, we had just met like. I had done, you know, showcase at the Laugh Factory or whatever yeah, yeah, that yeah. year and, and stuff. And so he had seen me. So, um, 
you know, and there were several shows where I, you know, he would pop in or something and I had to bring him on. Um, so yeah, at the time, because he had these new, you know, he's hosting Saturday Night Live or mm-hmm. I remember one of the things he said was like, you know, first comic since Steve Martin to have a, a billboard yeah. or, or stand up comedy album on the billboard top 100 or top number one or something like that, whatever it was at the time. So whatever current thing, uh, it was or whatever movie it was uh, there for that, you know, oh five, oh six, oh seven stuff. So that was to see that jump where, you know, anyone would probably be happy just being at the level famous he was pre MySpace and oh, yeah. all that stuff, that oh three, that August of oh three. So to see it go from wow, this can't get any better to oh wow, this is there's another level. It's like he <laughs> broke into some hidden level thing, you know? And I was like Ooh, that that was pretty amazing, um, but you know Zach Galifianakis, you know, any of these other comics, like they yeah. were, you know, I saw Zach at, uh, not, and I'm not friends with him, I don't know him, but I remember going to the Improv that probably around that same time, oh three or four, something like that. Doctor Ken, Ken Jung, yeah, same thing, you know, both in the Hangover, um, seeing them at the Improv, and the Improv wasn't doing so well at the time, and there wasn't that many people in the audience, and you know, you'd see them go up and they would do their thing, and it was kind of a small crowd, and. Uh, you know, they kind of stuck to it and then they pop, you know, years later from, you know, movie exposure and they end up getting the, you know, the love that they should. And it's just kind of like, wow, like I remember seeing them go up on just like a random Wednesday night where, you know, I'm 23. I don't have anything to do. And I just go hang out at the improv and yeah. I'm watching these guys and I'm just like, oh, look at that. And then, you know, they pop years later. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you it does happen. You never really know who I guess it's going to be or when it's going to happen but um you know yeah and i think people get multiple chances too because i think you know mark maron is is pretty big now but in my head mark maron's like always been famous because like when i first started watching comedy in like early mid 90s he was already like hosting a show and like on tv and like whatever so like my first recollection of him is like that so he's been like tv famous the whole time but I think from listening to his podcast and the way he seems, it almost seems like he had that kind of career. Things kind of changed, and he's almost had this new birth, rebirth, a resurgence. Yeah, with the podcast, with the podcast and, and TV show, and like this, and the last like five years, that's taken him to another level. And mm-hmm. so that's been cool too to see like these guys like come around and evolve their act. So you know, again, to bring it back into your whole topic of the thing, it's like you you can almost make building years for all of them even at those later stages of their career. Oh yeah. Like they're building to a new thing and now Dane's coming back around and now he's building a new thing, you know? So Yeah, I'm sure those guys once they get to a point where they're s- selling out the improvs and stuff like that, then their next building years is like, well, maybe I can sell out a theater or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's their next goal or right. whatever. But uh should, should I name more women? I feel like I don't want to I mean the only women that I, I remember seeing then is Sarah Silverman and Maria Bamford. But I feel like they were already famous. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, well Maria Bamford, I feel like in the last few years has really become a little bit more known, but I think it's just because she's doing so much like voice voiceover yeah, work yeah. and like uh, appearing in like little like funny Well, you know what? Uh, Actually Natasha Legero, I saw her I remember her going up at like open mics and stuff like that doing the same character the same act and uh you know she just kind of stuck it like the the character and uh you know her just the 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 attitude that she was giving off just like this no one was doing that no one had this you know she's wearing a fur coat you know she's just like this ultra i'm east (laughs) hamptons you know person and uh yeah she was doing that then and she kind of stuck it and then you know years later you know you kind of see that 
that actually paid off, like really sticking to, you know, your act. So, yeah. Well, we're going to wrap up with this uh, last segment here. This is the final question Uh-oh. of the episode. Uh, this is called the Hollywood bitch slap. Ah! Well, I do my own sound effects <laughs> here. So basically the Hollywood bitch slap is anytime uh, just uh, you can tell a story of whenever you've been super let down by something in Hollywood, just a moment that has been oh, like God. crushing. It could be like an audition. It could be a bad bomb. It could be any list of things where you're like this sucks whatever uh and you've been out here a while so i don't think we have time have... yeah i do have a lot thank you jeremiah yeah you've been out here a long time so that list might no, be no. really long no, i mean i've been out here like coming up on uh six years and i have a lot so i'm like oh man yeah you try to block some of those out you don't want to i've been trying to focus on not uh, dwelling on sure. uh, the negative moments there are you know you kind of have to learn how to laugh at them it's hard um I guess one that was funny, I, I guess two things stick out in my head when you say, as you were asking me that, like the probably the two things that jumped out in my head, because there's been, you know, there's always auditions you have that yeah, you yeah. want to get, you don't get, and you kind of just chalk it up to a lot of things and you move on. But the two things that, um, that I probably think of the most in that question, uh, number one, I auditioned for, I think it was probably around 07, 08, probably around that same time. And it was for the Hollywood. Uh, what it was? What was that? Or what was that show David Spade had? Uh, um, it was like a not the Hollywood Man. That's like the segment he did on Saturday Night Live, I think. But uh, like, uh, just shoot me was on in the '90s, and then he had. It was uh, a Comedy Central show. It was like Showbiz Show. So, oh, Showbiz Show. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, that was on heard. for a couple yeah. years. So they were looking for new correspondents mm-hmm. um, for that, and you know, I was 27 at the time. And uh, I and basically the audition was, you can either just do some stand up if you want, or you can write a whole piece. And I was like, this is correspondent thing. And so a lot of comics were at the audition, and they just kind of just did stand up. I mean, you're doing stand up in front of like the producers and like whoever. It's always kind of weird, you know. You're just in this yeah, room with like eight people, people and you're yeah, like, yeah. so guys, what's up with this? You know, <laughs> that's that was my act. That's still my act. So <laughs> what's guys, up with this? I guess that's why I'm not allowed in the alt room. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um. Or you could write a piece, and then they gave you two options. They said, write a piece about, um, is there such thing as bad publicity? And the second one, I don't remember. I didn't do it. I chose the bad publicity one. But there was, like, two topics, and they were like, you could write your own little monologue about these topics. So I said, cool. So I worked on it. I wrote this, like, three-minute thing. I wrote it even with a little interaction at the end for David, even though he wasn't there, but for the casting director to read. Because, you know, a lot of times you go on, the the person, the correspondent goes, blah, 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 blah. And then at the very end, the host will be like, so wait a minute, are you saying this? And you have a little little banter at the, you know, three lines of back and forth. And then it's like, that's Casey Tatar, everybody, give it up for, you know, on The Daily Show or something. You've seen it, right? So I even wrote that into it. So I had this really solid piece. I was really proud of it. I worked on it. I worked with my acting coach. I had this whole thing. I wore like glasses I never wore. And I was like, I put it on. I kind of dressed the part, went in there. Um, I, th- I thought I nailed it. I didn't mess up the script. I even you know, had a copy for the casting director. Did the whole thing. And they laughed. And there was like six producers there and stuff. And uh, they were like, great. And they were like, are you available later this week? Like, I'm basically getting asked, like, for a callback, like, in the room. I'm like, I'm solid. I'm good. I call my manager and agent. I'm like, yeah, it went great. And they go, yeah, they just called and asked if you're available. They said, all right, we'll get you a time for, you know, I guess it was like a Tuesday. So it's like, I'm thinking Thursday or Friday. I'm going to have the callback. Yes, you know, like, this is it. I I feel great. I'm going to tune it up some more. 
Thursday comes around and I get a call and they're like, yeah, sorry, you know, they're not, they're not going to bring you in after all. And I'm like, what? What happened? I knew, I knew I was more prepared than at least the other six comics oh, yeah, yeah. that were in thing. I mean, I'm bringing in two copies of a script that I worked on. Everyone else is like, I was just going to do stand-up. You know, they were just going to do topical um, Material, you know, pop culture jokes. jokes. Yeah, yeah. You know? So to show their writing or whatever, but they didn't. Like, I wrote a, a correspondent script. And you know what they said? They go, yeah, they don't want to bring him. They liked you, but um, they just think you're too young. And I was pissed. And 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 that's happened a couple other times, but that one probably hurt the most because you hear this thing all the time. And that's why I talk about it on stage so much and no one can ever grasp this. It's like, why do you complain about looking young? I'm 35 now. I've looked young for my age my whole life. So 27, I looked younger then or whatever. It's like, because it, for me, it's only been... Uh, and hindrance is that yeah, a word? A it's only yeah. hindered me, you know. Yeah. And 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 for situations like that, where hey, I did all the work, I can do all the thing. The problem is, I look too young to be an uh, analysis uh, expert, analysis, whatever correspondent person. Yeah. And I'm just like, why? Why can't I just be the young correspondent? You know, like why is that? The, of all the things. Looking young should not be the thing that you don't get it. And so that's happened on other auditions, too, where it's like, ah, you don't look young enough to be the dad or the older brother or the whatever. And it's like, those all annoyed me because I've literally never gotten something because I look young enough. It's like, oh, you're older, but you look young. You got it. Like, if I had been a Disney star, then I wouldn't be complaining because it's like, oh, yeah, you're 25 and you look like you're 17. You make billions of dollars. But I never had that moment. I never had yeah. this, I look young and it's helped me. It's only been, I look young and it hurts me. Oh, and, and that it, was like yeah. a big thing because I wanted to get on there. I like David Spade. I, I thought I had a good piece. It was probably the most prepared I've ever been for an audition um, that wasn't an act. Like, I had to write it, you know? It's like it wasn't like, um, not to say I didn't prepare for acting auditions, but at the time, I, I had to prepare my own thing. And so it was the most thing that I took my own initiative to prepare for and not getting it for that reason. It was like, you know, if I'm going to go sure. to the, the thing and then they're like, yeah, we want a black guy or ah, we want this guy, some other angle. Fine. So be it. I get it. But it's just like, yeah, you just, you don't look old enough to be a correspondent. Like what? The, I and thought looking good. It's was, so out of your control. too. Yeah, like, and it was like looking young in this town is supposed to be a good thing. Yeah. And so like to this day, it's like, I never forgot that. And it was just like, why, where is this supposed to pay off? You know what I mean? So that sticks out. And the second thing, which is one that's a little bit funnier, is um, probably 2007 is a bad year for me. Jeez, everything keeps going bad. It was probably around that same time, too. Um, I did uh, Comics Unleashed. Yeah, yeah. I was on an Fire episode of that. Yeah, yeah so yeah, that yeah. was like the second TV thing I did. Um, that Toronto thing you were talking about in Canada, that was 2008. So like 2007, uh, I, I taped that. You know, it aired months later, and I never forget the the night it aired. Um, it, you know, I watch it on TV, and uh, you know, it aired at like I don't know midnight or eleven o'clock or something like that. I don't. I'm watching it on TV. I'm talking to some girl on the phone that I'm like dating at the time. We're like watching it together. She's like at home, like watching the thing, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's on right now. Like, isn't this crazy? Like, you're talking to me, and I'm on TV. I was all excited. I was like, this is so cool. And then um, I was going to do a late spot at the Haha ha in North Hollywood. And I get off the phone, and I'm going up there to, like, do this late show or something like that. You know, 11.30, midnight or something, really late. And uh, I get up there, and there's, like, eight people in the audience. And I'm like, oh, no. And uh, I should have just left. But now I'm like, ah, stick to my commitments, you know. I'm like, yeah, I'll go on. I go on stage. 
immediately bombing like hor- like nothing crickets crickets yeah. weren't even cricketing or chirping or whatever they do <laughs> i mean it was just bad and i'm doing like the same jokes from that just aired on tv yeah. and yeah. it's like nothing and then i literally i get i get a little angry and i'm just like oh, i'm like come on i'm like i just did that joke on tv it aired tonight and some guy in the back goes oh yeah in what country and i'm like oh, God. oh man <laughs> I mean, I kind of laugh at that or whatever, but I'm like, like they don't even believe. They have no faith in right, me. And I'm right, like, right, wow, right. it cannot. You then cannot, why are you here? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, it was just more like you never had such a precipitous drop from hero to zero within minutes. I mean, like I was on TV. I'm like, this is awesome. I got a career now. I have two TV credits. Yeah. And literally go to the club right back down to earth, and it's just like, bro, that's not funny. We don't know you. And I was like, I was on TV, and they're like, so what? Like, we didn't see it, you know what I mean? And I was just like, oh. And then proceeded to just bomb for three or four more minutes, went home with the tail between my legs. Like, so back, so humbling and back down to zero. I was like, oh, this doesn't mean anything, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there's moments like that where you just have to kind of laugh at it, but they, they stick with you, you know? So Yeah. Uh, dude, thank you so much for coming by the podcast. Uh, I hope I helped. No, it was great. Like uh, by help, I mean people choose not to do comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a super humbling sport, everybody. Super humbling. Uh, where can people find you online, social media wise, and everything? Um, KT Tatara. I'm the only guy named KT Tatara, I believe. So at KT Tatara for the Vine and Instagram, Twitter, uh, you know, all those things. I usually just say Google KT. And then comedian, yeah, KT comedian. I'm the only guy that comes up. I think. I, actually, you know what? I should rephrase that because last time uh, I did that in YouTube to see what videos came up. Uh, some Indian dude, I guess his name KT, and is doing comedy. And uh, hey, and, lay off, guy. That's yeah. This is this is KT's he's, thing. Yeah. So he's the <laughs> the Hindu KT. He's speaking. Hindi or something. I don't even know what language it is, but uh, it's on some Indian TV show. <laughs> so, but I'm not him. I'm not okay. him. I'm the half Japanese uh, China doll looking kid. So <laughs> that's it. KTTatar.com, I guess. There awesome. Yeah. Well, check that out, guys. And uh, dude, thanks KT. Me, man. Yeah, thanks for doing it. And uh, man, I want to thank you. Uh, so, KT and I went down to uh, La Jolla. I opened uh, for Adam Ray and KT featured. And. Oh, yeah. uh, Dude, it was such a fun weekend, and uh, I tried to give KT money for gas and uh, and uh, for for like lunch and stuff, and he just like covered everything. It was just super nice to me, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I want to thank you. And uh, it's, oh, it was no problem, super man. cool, you and I had and I had a lot of fun with you that weekend, man. I felt uh, like uh, we became uh, good friends. My pleasure, man. Yeah, no, it was fun to yeah to see you know the the young bucks of comedy, the the young whippersnappers, you know, <laughs> going down there. I mean, you know, like I told you, it's like you know, it's just paying it forward you know one before i was in your position and 26 or you know and and opening for other people and and uh same kind of thing you know they would drive me and they'd pay for me or something like that and so it's just like you know you can only just pay it forward so you you have to do your duty now to yeah, uh pay it forward to, in the to future pay it forward to some other some other young whippersnapper out there so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, will it's, do it's definitely not a problem man no problem thanks for coming by kitty thanks for having me